0: Comics,
1: movies, music,
0: video games,
2: technology,
1: Blu ray, television.
2: This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network.
3: You clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger. I am the
0: danger. I am the one who knocks.
3: Say my name. Eisenberg, you're damn right. Welcome to Los Podcast Hermanos, the HHW LOD Breaking Bad Podcast.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the final, at least for now, episode of Los Podcast Hermanos. This will be episode eight, where we discuss Breaking Bad, season five, episode 16, the series finale, Felina, written and directed by Vince Gilligan. I'm Jordan from Jersey, and I'm joined tonight by the whole crew, Jim, Russ, John, and Mr. Frank A. Rencon himself. How are you guys all doing tonight after watching the grand series finale?
3: Exhausted. Pretty well. I am very happy and satisfied. I
0: just felt like standing up and giving a slow cl- slow clap ovation at the end of that. That was that was
4: great. <laughs> Screw you, Sopranos. That's how you finish a show. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I w- I went to a watching party and someone kind of brought that up. Like that that exact sentiment, uh, Johnny. You're missing your calling being
1: in uh, Texas apparently then, John.
4: Oh, yeah, I'd blend right in there. (laughs) (laughs) Yo,
1: what's up here? What's up with Texas, huh? (laughs) Well, you'd get along with at least the Dallas people because y'all hate the Eagles. Uh, Like I said, the series finale, Felina, was written and directed by Mr. Vince Gilligan, the showrunner and creator of Breaking Bad himself. Uh, We start in our pre-credits teaser with Walt still in New Hampshire. He is breaking into a car. Well, the car is unlocked, but still, he uh, he sneaks his way into a car that's not his. He searches around in the glove box, finds a cassette tape, finds a screwdriver, tries to pry off the, uh, the housing around the steering wheel and hotwire the car himself, but finally, we've reached a technological thing that Walter White is apparently not good at, that being hotwiring cars, and he's unable to do it, but as he's getting towards the end of his realizing that he can't do it, Cop lights appear around the car, and uh, through the snow, you see everything light up red and blue. And he starts to realize that they're hot on his tail.
4: How many of you guys were yelling, look under the visor? <laughs> 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 Every car keys are always under the visor in movies and TV, anyway. Um,
3: Terminator. I was listening to the Insider podcast today, and Vince Gilligan was saying... Um, how there's something ingrained in all guys that they think they just know how to hotwire a car instinctively. Like it's just something you just know. So he <laughs> kinda of wanted to throw that scene in and the key the key part of that scene for him was um was Walt kind of saying that prayer, you know, let me just get home. And then that magic bullet, that mad the keys just kind of appearing was like his answer. I mean Walt is the luckiest guy in the world as Jesse described him. He's luckier than you, he's smarter than you.
1: Whatever you think is going to happen, the exact reverse is that the, the exact reverse opposite is going to happen.
3: Yeah.
1: And it was such a cool shot. I'd say it was such a cool
2: shot because they with with the keys. You know, they showed it from above and the visor dropping and it was all kind of slow-mo. Uh, you know, that juxtaposed with the you know, cars, the the cop lights and everything. I it, it was just a really one thing in general about this episode is everything seemed to be um, like long scenes. There wasn't a bunch of quick cuts. You know, everything was very deliberate, um, took its time, uh, and and I think it, it worked out well. It was it was you know for a season that's just been very very fast paced. It seemed like this episode had a lot of slow moments that uh, were very fulfilling, but slow moments nonetheless.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it was interesting him making that prayer because, you know, we've seen multiple times Walt is not a religious person in any way. You know, he believes in himself and that's about it. But uh, my, my thought when watching that was so Essentially, at this point, Walter White is the devil. And I don't think God generally makes deals with the
3: devil. <laughs> that would seem a bit uh, out of
0: character. There's an old saying that desperate prayer is the last salve, or the last refuge of, of a scoundrel.
3: You know, if Walter White is the devil, I mean, he's... He just It's just so funny, because everything he does is, is wrong and stuff, but yet we still cheer for him. I mean, I don't know, it's, it's such an interesting character, Walter White. That's
0: really a testament, I think, to Bryan Cranston. I mean, a lesser actor, you wouldn't have cared. I mean, not to you know put too fine a point on it, but have you guys been watching Low Winter Sun? I mean... No. We, the, yeah, there's, for the most part. There's nobody on there likable. You know what I mean? There's no relatable character. Yeah. And, I mean, it's a cool... It's well-written. It's a cool story and everything, but there's no way in. You know, for me as a viewer, there's no, no one to root for. There's no, you know, no character for me to, to follow. And um, it's a real testament, I think, to Brian Cranston that... He's able, even with Walt having done all the things that he's done all along the way, all the betrayals, the killings, everything else, that we still root for him. We still wanted him to come out in the end, you know?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think the trick was starting his, starting him off as a likable character, you know, way back. I mean, even though he killed uh, Crazy 8 in the basement in, like, what, the second episode? Um, was that Crazy 8, Jordan?
1: Uh, Yes, Emilio yeah. died in the car, or in the RV, I believe.
4: Yeah, I mean, you were, you know, you could start out liking, uh, liking Walt, and then it, it kind of went south slowly over the course of the five seasons, and, you know, you just, I don't know, I didn't give up on him. I mean, it was apparent that he turned into the devil, but I still rooted for him.
3: He, uh, you know, and he only killed people who were <laughs> bad, people who deserved it. You know, uh, well, Jane from...
4: didn't deserve it, really.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean,
4: I guess he didn't kill Jane, but he no. didn't help. But then, too,
2: like the kid, you know, in the bank heist, or in the train heist, I mean, he didn't directly kill him, but, you know, he he set in motion a lot of events where people, some innocent people, you know, were caught up in it. I mean, Hank is a prime example. Hank, Gomi, you know, there, there are people that, while Hank didn't directly kill them, if he didn't do things the way he did and wasn't overly worried about covering his own butt, that those people wouldn't have died as well.
0: I mean, and the ultimate betrayal of Jesse, I mean, his partner in all this crime, you know, I mean, uh, the, the, end the, the end of the last, I mean, the, end, the beginning of this episode, he has no, no one left to turn to, you know, I mean, because he's burned down every bridge, pretty much. And as we see here, you know, as he grasps at straws, so he can end up with this kind of vengeance that he ends up with and being able to free Jesse, um, you know, it's just like his last, he knows it's his last stand. you know, and I think we all know it, too.
1: So like you guys said, he makes that quick prayer, he finds the keys underneath the visor, and uh, the cops have made their way past the car at this point. Uh, They're still just kind of looking in broad strokes, and they they weren't looking at that car specifically, it's still covered in snow and everything. Uh, So he waits for the lights to go away, he then starts the car, and he heads off to Albuquerque. That is our pre-credits teaser after the credits. We uh we pick up back in Albuquerque. It's still pre all the flash forwards from episodes five hundred one and five hundred eight, and uh, he he's filling up his car at the gas station, and he calls a journalist on what must be one of the last ten payphones in the United States of America, and uh, he he po- or he poses as a journalist and he pretends to be um, involved with Charlie Rose or or something involving a story about Gretchen and Elliot Schwartz Schwartz rather and he uh, manages to get their address. Out of uh, their publicist. And so he says he's going to go and see if they'll be home tonight. He also takes his watch off. This is the watch Jesse gave him in the episode 51 for his 51st birthday. And uh, he takes that watch off and he leaves it on top of the payphone. Now, for me, I I was... Not subscribing to the theory that Walt was going to go kill Gretchen and Elliot, you know, from last last week, some people were saying it. I just did not think that was going to happen. But the moment he's calling for information about them, I was like, seriously, that's what they're going to do? He's going after them now. Uh, what did you guys think about that one? Uh,
3: I was still on board with uh, with with uh, Gretchen and Elliot being being shot. I thought he was going to somehow get his revenge Uh, you know like he blamed them for everything that's kind of where i thought this was headed so yeah i thought i thought they were in for to to be shot or something i mean all the way up until the next scene i still thought that all of that was going to happen somehow
4: right i thought it was going to happen but i didn't think that was the end game like i thought his first stop was gretchen and elliot and then he would continue you know with the mass murder (laughs) (laughs)
3: Yeah, I thought he was going to go kind of, kind of mass murdery and uh, killing spree. I thought he I'm was going to go wrong.
4: Scarface. I mean, I thought there were kind of hints that this was going to end up going Scarface.
3: You know? Well, yeah. I mean, that, that, in
1: some ways, it did.
4: Yeah, yeah. Except he wasn't holding the gun, right? You could have, you, you could argue that definitely. Um, I, uh,
3: I did hear something interesting about the uh, about the watch scene. I had to look this up. I was confused. It just seemed kind of odd that he took off his watch and just kind of left it there. It seemed kind of unmotivated, at least to me. I understood what it it meant, that it was a gift, but apparently it was a prop snafu in the first episode of this season. He wasn't wearing that watch, and so they just kind of wanted to tie that in together.
1: Right, because Jesse didn't give it to him until like one or two episodes later in the series, after they showed that flash-forward, so they they had to come up with a creative way to remove the watch
2: i was so a little surprised i mean when he started asking about gretchen and elliot i was like holy crap he's going after gretchen and elliot i i really thought that after that last bit we saw with charlie rose that that was going to be the end of it um and the fact that they were going back to it i i i thought was was pretty genius and, and as we'll get to it turns out that uh, there's a definite reason for it
0: Yeah, I called it last week that I thought he was going to have Gretchen and Elliot killed. And when he, you know, poses as the reporter to get their information, that's definitely what I thought was going to happen. But I was much more pleased with the way it ended up playing out.
3: And we were led down a trail where um, uh, someone brought it up last week that uh, the two actors that play them, it was very difficult to get them for Charlie Rhodes for that one scene uh, to do. Right, right. That was me, I think. Uh, yeah, you, Jordan. So it w- it led you to kind of believe that that was it, that you were not going to see those actors again because it was so difficult to get them for scheduling reasons. Apparently it wasn't that difficult.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I was surprised to see them, let alone, you know, whether or not he was going to kill them or not, just to see them really surprised me. But uh, they must have worked out some way to get them to that house for uh, for the evening.
4: Are they yeah. very busy? I don't know them from Sh- anywhere else. <laughs> uh, Jessica
1: Hecht who plays um, Gretchen Swartz, she is starring in a play on Broadway or off-Broadway. It oh, okay. was written for her.
4: That and, explains uh, why I hadn't heard of that. Okay.
1: And Elliot, I'm not sure about, but um, I mean, it would be strange to have just him and not her, I guess, in the show as well. <laughs>
3: He has a very big Herbalife distribution uh, business on the side that's growing by leaps and bounds. And, you know, he's got to stay on that. So
1: speaking of Gretchen and Elliot, uh, that night we see Gretchen and Elliot get home from some dinner out or night out with friends. And uh, they're walking up to their gorgeous new house because they have moved since the last time we saw their house all the way back in season one. And uh, they they walk through their little courtyard up to the front door. And if you're watching closely, you can see Walt in the background sitting on a bench. And once they go past him, he gets up and follows them inside the house. And they're getting dinner ready and just having some small talk, talking about pizza and Thai food, etc. And Walt just kind of standing there. He's looking through their pictures and... Acting very serial killery, very horror movie villain esque. Something I just noticed, i not sorry, Karen. Jordan.
0: Uh, something I noticed really quick in this scene and a few other scenes in this episode that Gillian used a lot was um, having um, uh, Walter be out of focus and then come into focus. And uh, yes. this was the first place I, I really noticed that in that in the uh, in this episode. But it, it seemed to be used quite a bit uh, this time. Like he he would be blurred out and then you know brought into a sharper focus in the same scene.
1: Two, two things i tweeted last night on that subject one was apparently the script has and then walt steps in from just out of frame a lot <laughs> and that the other episode title uh, oh i forget what the exact tweet i said but that an alternate title could be surprise walt's in this scene too cuz there was like you said there's a bunch of times where you know the camera swings over to the left or focuses in on a different place and you know you've been there for a few minutes and surprise walt's been there the whole time very batman
4: it was something about the way he was examining the house to like the structure like the, he was kind of admiring the walls at one point and like looking around at the floors and and you could tell like you could just read it on him like this should be my house. Oh yeah. Like I'm the and it's either I created gray matter or I'm the friggin drug kingpin. This should be this should be my house.
1: Yeah, either way, it's his ego saying this this be- should belong to him and not them. But so he's looking through the pictures, and uh, Gretchen goes over around the corner to check on something, and she turns around, she sees him there, she screams. And the whole scene, they've got opera playing in the background, and it's actually the song Faust, which for anyone who's uh, literary conscious should have a lot of connotations for you, as they're about to make a deal. But Walt tells them, uh, first he tells them, there's something in my car, we got to go get it. And Elliot pulls out a knife that he's been using to chop some vegetables. And Walt tells them, if, if, if you want to go that way, you're going to need a bigger knife, which was a fun uh, Crocodile Dundee moment. Best and line uh, the, the next knife. time we come, <laughs> when we come back from a commercial, we see that they have brought in the money that Walt has left. Apparently, after he stole the car, he went back to the cabin and got the rest of the barrel. So he's got nine point seven two million dollars on their coffee table and he tells them what they're going to do that uh, on Walter Jr.'s 18th birthday, which is uh, 10 months and two days away, they're going to uh, give him an irrevocable trust of the money, and they can call whatever they want, liberal guilt, that they just uh, feel bad that, you know, the White family were blameless victims of the tyrant Walter White Heisenberg. Uh, Whatever they want to do, you know, they've already donated a lot of money to drug rehab clinics in the area so it'll fit with their character, and they're going to do this. And he makes them shake on it. And you can tell, you know, Elliot, at least, is is willing to go along with it to at least get Walt out of the house. Gretchen's very much more reticent. And so after he shakes hands with them, he, he asks them how can he be sure that they'll do this. And now it's, oh, oh, we'll do it, we'll do it. And Walt goes over and stands next to him, points out the window, and makes kind of a gun with his hands. And all of a sudden, the opera drops out, and instead we get dum-dum, almost, almost a uh, Law Order-type sound effect as two... uh, red lasers come through the window and land square on each of their chests. And he tells them he's hired the two best hitmen west of the Mississippi, and uh, that if they do not do exactly as Walt said they were supposed to do and give Walt Jr. the money, that someday, maybe two days after, maybe a week after, maybe a year after, when they least expect it, the hitmen will track them down and murder them.
4: And thank God that Vince Gilligan is way smarter than me. (laughs) Because... I bought it, and in my head I said, "Uh uh-oh, this is not going... Like, this is a bad idea. It didn't seem right. You know what I mean? It felt hokey. It wasn't right. And guess what? It was right.
3: Well,
1: I was like, there's no way he actually hired Hitmen, because he's going to want to part with as little of his money as he wants, and also, if he's already going to kill his last set of Hitmen, is he going to trust new ones? So I'm thinking, I even tweeted it, does he have, like, a robot gun mount? And uh, (laughs) I was wrong, but I was also... Eerily right for the later in the episode. You know what
4: i th- i I should I should trust this writing team by now, but I'm still like you know it's the finale. Everybody always hates the finale. <laughs> like I was just waiting for something to go wrong for some reason, and I should have known better. Right, it, right. It's it's funny when uh when he first showed up at the Schwartz's,
2: I was like, holy cow! I'm always like, oh, it's the money. He's he's gonna make them give the money, and I was like oh, yeah, like, duh, that makes perfect sense. Nobody would question it coming from them. So I she kind of got one up on me. And then right when he turned the lasers off and he said, two hit men, and he was kind of aloof about the thing. You know, he's trying to be really serious, but at the end he kind of got a little bit aloof. And I was like, Badger and Stinky Pete, or Skinny Pete, Stinky Pete. Uh, Badger and Skinny Pete. And, uh, and sure enough, that's who it was. I thought that was just utter genius. But I, I tell you what, when those uh, laser sights first lit up on those two, I audibly gasped. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I thought maybe he was going to shoot one of them to prove. Like I thought he was full on Heisenberg, go for broke at this point. And I thought maybe he was going to shoot Gretchen and tell Elliot, "Now do you take me seriously? Do you you know you, you're going to do this because next it'll be you or vice versa?" Uh, because you could tell, like like you're saying that. Elliot wasn't taking it serious. I mean, he was like, yeah, okay, whatever, but he wasn't serious. And then, of course, after that stunt, uh, you know, they were both full in. But, again, the, the, kudos to the writing team because it's just, it's just genius for, you know, everything to kind of fall into place. I mean, you know, the whole point of doing this for Walter was, you know, his family and the fact that in the end he was able to make sure that they got this money Legitimately, and it wasn't going to be taken, and it wasn't going to be confiscated. Uh, I, I thought was was sheer genius.
3: The um the pacing of that scene was so well done because I was I, as I was following the story, and he explained when Walt explained about how the trust was going to work. I was like, you, Russ. I was like, oh, that's a genius move. And then when Walt asked for the handshake, I kept thinking, well, they're just going to turn around and call the cops surely he has something else planned and then those laser pointers come out and i'm like i'm like oh my it, it, it was just impe- impeccable timing because whenever i had a question walt had the answer and it was just it, it i i was so engrossed in that scene uh, just so good
1: so like we said uh walt goes back out to his car and picks up his two hitmen. turns out skinny pete and badger and uh, they make it clear that they're a little uncomfortable with the whole morality of what they just did and then Walt gives them 10 grand each they're much happier Um, he also asks them if it's true that his blue meth is still being manufactured and and distributed in the area and they say oh yeah that's true but they thought it was him cooking it and they quickly realize that uh, Jesse is not in Alaska like uh, Badger and Skinny Pete thought that he must still be alive and cooking the meth and uh, we then catch back up with Jesse and first we see, I don't know if I'd say a dream sequence, but more of a memory sequence of Jesse woodworking and making that wooden box he talked about in the episode Kafkaesque. And then uh, once that little daydream is over, we cut back to the present and reality and we see that Jesse is um, scarred and bruised and swollen and beaten and still a prisoner of the Nazis and still cooking meth for them.
3: Could someone remind me about that episode about the box? Why did he want to make a box?
1: Uh he was doing it
2: for shop class, I believe. Yeah, he didn't even want to take it. His 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 dad made him take shop class. He didn't want to do it. Right, right.
0: But he he also he also said that like that was when he he felt most at peace is when he was you know woodworking like working on the wood and stuff. He said that really like was what and this is from earlier, like, I think season 1 cuz we just did a re I'm doing a rewatch with my wife but that's what he says he's you know he, he like feels like he's really doing something useful.
1: It's actually from season 4 I believe it's from the episode Kafkaesque um when when he's in the um
4: he's in rehab, rehab. Yeah. either rehab
1: okay. or with Jerry Burns where he's at the um, right the group like the AA he, yeah he's Narcotic he's Anonymous. speaking
4: in the group and right. and uh he's basically and the end of the story is that like what happened to the box oh i sold it for a you know like, he traded it for drugs mm-hmm. i think is what ended up <laughs> yeah, happening yeah he sold it for yeah. weed
0: yeah he sold it for weed right I'm sorry, I got my seasons mixed up.
2: <laughs> no problem. <laughs> but it was funny, too, because when he went on about the box, it was like, yeah, I built the first one. I basically just hammered a bunch of boards together, and, you know, the shop teacher said you could do better. And then he made another one, and it was a little bit better, and he kept at it. And by the end, like we saw in the in the dream sequence, there were no screws or nails. It was all, you know dovetailed and routed and everything fit together perfect. And, you know, it was all just, just like, basically like it was in the dream, um, which that was a sweet ass box. (laughs) 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 I saw that. I was like, damn, that is nice.
1: (laughs) And it's funny, you know, watching this episode, you know, we're a third through at this point and we still haven't gotten to the point of the flash forwards, but Right here is where we get some quick cuts like we kind of thought about last week and we wondered whether they'd show the whole thing or just a few shots of it. That's what we get. We get a few shots from him at the diner, the 52, uh, him with the gun, him back at his house. We actually get a slightly extended ending of Walt back at the house from episode 508 where he stands in the same position he was in in the pilot when uh, he first got the idea uh, about about manufacturing meth for money. And uh, we even get a flashback to that same moment, so you can see he's standing more or less in the same place And uh, when Hank invites him on that DEA ride-along.
4: Yeah, and I-, I like that they called back to that because, you know, Hank at that point—Hank was a bit of a different character back in the first season— And, uh, you know, he was kind of like, you you could tell he was talking down to Walt and like making him feel less of a man and somebody that needs excitement. You know, like it, it almost kind of reminded you some of the reasons that this ball started to get rolling.
1: We then head over to the cafe where we've seen Lydia a few times where she met with, uh, Todd once she met with Walt a bunch of times and, uh, She brings in this big bag of luggage, probably money that she's going to give to Todd because Todd's there as well. And uh, they walk in right past Walt, who's sitting at the bar. They don't even see him there. They sit down. She orders her tea. They start discussing things. Walt just casually saunters over, picks up a chair, sets it down with him, tells him to sit down and listen to what he has to say. Uh, He tells him he's broke. He needs some money, but he's got this new recipe for meth. Um, It's not going to need methylamine. He knows they must be running out by now, and that uh, you know he can he'll sell them this new idea, this new recipe for a million bucks at a minimum. And Lydia, asks you know, how do you even know how to find us here? And he points out, you know, you're a creature of habit. We used to meet here every time, or the same time every week, and so he just waited for them to show up. And uh, finally, he convinces Todd, or at least it seems that he convinces Todd to let him talk to Uncle Jack and to give him this information. And then he leaves. Uh, the waiter brings the tea. Lydia takes out the last pack of stevia that's there on the counter, asks for more, and puts that pack into the tea. And we get a nice shot of the stevia, which, if you've been watching the show, you should probably know is actually ricin dissolving into the tea as Walt leaves.
4: I will, uh, I will address this when Walt calls Lydia later.
3: Okay. <laughs> You have a concern with that?
4: No, you know, all right, I guess I'll 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 do it now. Only twice in the entirety of this series have I felt like the audience didn't get enough credit and I really didn't need it to be explained to me at the end. I yeah. thought it was genius. I was waiting for people to ask me, but how did he do it? Because if you were paying attention, and like Jordan said, if you're a big fan of the series, you knew exactly what went down, it felt a little cheap that he had to say it for everybody at the end. I will. Um, The only thing I will add to that
2: is maybe the only purpose of showing that was the fact that Todd had that song on his phone to just show how creepy he really was. (laughs)
1: <laughs> like, to accentuate it. Yo, know, that song was super creepy. And don't get me wrong, John. I get exactly what you're saying, but I don't think it was... T- I mean, yes, to an extent it was to tell us, just to confirm that was definitely the ricin, but I think it was more just so Walt got a chance to gloat. Like, one last chance to be like, I bested you.
4: I know, and, and again, it's kind of out of order, but I also... F- didn't feel like like couldn't she just have gotten off the phone at that point and started calling 911 saying I've been poisoned with ricin and possibly got cured uh, no, not I don't that think much.
1: from ricin no. no they okay. weren't able to save like what was the russian diplomat the really famous one who died from ricin and oh, i think they yeah. knew he had been poisoned yeah. they weren't able to do anything okay yeah i think ricin's one of those things
3: you're screwed <laughs> yeah but it do, it does leave i know we're jumping forward but it does leave the audience just with a little bit of Well, did she die? Because we don't, you know, there's no body. So (laughs) maybe, you know, possibly is she still alive? We, you know, we'll never know. But you're definitely led to believe that. And I agree with you, Jordan. That was a chance for just Walter to gloat. And was was anybody,
4: was anybody a little disappointed that the ricin was just for Lydia?
1: No, I think she deserves it after nope. putting the hit out on uh, on Skyler and stuff.
0: Yeah, I think it's cool. I think it works out better that Jesse gets to take out um, Meth Damon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my only thing in the back of my mind was, is this a misdirect? Is it going to turn out that the ricin was not actually in the stevia packet and that it was really for something else and we're just supposed to think it was? Um, but I was fine with it ending up being that way. I'm actually... Surprise! And I started listening to the Insider podcast. I did not get enough time to finish it today. It was actually a really long episode, and I was busy. But I want to know how they got Stevia's permission to do that, because that's not the type of thing a company normally
4: lets their product be shown doing. And all I it went is- something like this: Hey, ten million people are going to watch our TV show. Can we use the name of your uh, sugar on it? Yeah, yes. but
1: we're going to use it as poison, which granted they're not using the actual stevia as poison.
4: but using How many it a... Halloween costumes do you think this year are going to be Lydia holding a box of that <laughs> kind of <sweetener. laughs> That would
3: be fantastic. Or just a big bag of stevia. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I said on Twitter last night, and I stand by this, if, if Twitter... If Stevia has not already started a nationwide ad campaign where they say Stevia now with 100% less ricin, they are missing a huge opportunity. Cause that, <laughs> I, I don't even want Stevia and I would buy it if it had a breaking pad tie in.
4: I'm not like a tea drinker or whatever. Like, I don't know, but i never heard of Stevia until last night's episode. So maybe they had to maybe score they had to, one maybe for they had Stevia to
0: their way down the artificial sweetener train. Like first they asked the sweet and low people and they're like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> And they went to the equal people and they're like, no, I don't think so. They finally got down to Stevia.
1: But they had set up her as using Stevia a long time ago, way longer get, than yeah. they had planned on using the ricin against her. Cause they, they've been upfront that even when he picks up the ricin in 501, they hadn't figured out what he was going to do with it or 508. Right. They hadn't figured out what he was going to do with it yet. So it's not like they had planned that when they originally had her using Stevia.
3: The, anyway. um, you, you know, uh, uh, if you guys are familiar with, with, uh, with Mad Men, you know, there's a whole, this whole last season with, uh, with Chevrolet. Well, no, actually with GM. Uh, GM looks terrible. Uh, they're yeah. painted just as ter- a terrible company. Uh, there must be something about if you're a public figure, you can be used in this way. or I don't know.
2: There's no such thing as bad publicity.
3: Surely they got permission, and surely someone at, at Stevia saw that this was an opportunity rather than, a, than something to be afraid of.
1: So we then, uh, we then have a short scene with Walt in the desert. And, we, well, I should, I should say, we, I mentioned it in passing, but I didn't go into it. He finds that cassette tape in the glove compartment of the car in New Hampshire that he steals, and, uh, when he starts the car up and drives away, the song is playing. What is the name of that song now? I don't have it in front of me. El Paso, El Paso by
0: Marty, Marty, Marty oh, Robbins.
1: What? Yes. Marty Robbins. That's the 1959 song. And, uh, the, the name Felina is used in that, although it's spelled differently. This way is an anagram for finale, but, uh, so he you hear the song there in the beginning, which was nice, and then you also in this next like little short scene, Walt is humming it and, and singing it a little bit, but he's out in the desert with the M sixty, he's got the instruction book booklet and a whole bunch of parts, and it's not necessarily clear exactly what he's doing. He's building some type of gun mount, but uh, he's MacGyvering it up out in the desert.
2: This was a, a weird deal because I, I saw him doing that and I was like, is he gonna use this as a distraction? and then go after Jesse and get him out, or is he going to use it as a distraction to get the money? Like, I didn't quite see how it was going to fit to where, like... And, I mean, we'll get to it at the end, but I think it ultimately made sense, uh, what he was doing. One thing, real quick, on the last scene, and and there's one more scene to come where this happens, but there's several scenes in this episode where Walt is like a fly on the wall. You know, we see it in... um, in the in the restaurant you know where he's listening in on Lydia and uh Todd we see it in the Schwartz's house where he's listening in on them for a while we see it in the in the next scene when he goes to visit Skylar she's actually talking on the phone to um to Marie, and we don't know he's there, so it's just interesting that there are several of these scenes where he's he's acting like a fly on the wall as to as to what's going on, and then we get the reveal that you know he's he's there, or the characters get a reveal that he's there. So I thought that was that was kind of an interesting choice.
1: I liked it though; it, it was very cool, and like I said, kind of Batman style. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So like you said, we then jump to Skylar. She's in her new apartment, kind of like a double-wide trailer type thing, uh, just from the way it was constructed, I'm guessing, anyway. And she gets a phone call from Marie, who calls for a brief truce so she can tell her that Walt has been spotted. Uh, the vehicle that he had stolen from uh, from New Hampshire has been seen in the Denny's parking lot. A couple of people have seen him around town, including Carol. Or was it Becky? Uh, that was <laughs> kind of funny, that whole little exchange. Yeah. And basically, Marie says, you know, it's a million to one chance that he'd actually come to see you. But, you know, just in case, be safe. And uh, Skylar hangs up the phone and then she says five minutes and the camera Zooms in and pans a little bit, and we can see that Walt has been standing in the center of the frame the entire time. He was just hidden by a pillar, which I thought was amazing framing from uh, Michael Slovis, who's the DP on Breaking Bad. That was just such a cool reveal to see that he had been there for this entire like five-minute scene.
3: I uh, when I re-watched it today, it's just it's just I I was still surprised when the camera moved and you saw that he was there the whole time. That was just such a good reveal.
1: Yeah, that was fantastic. And probably my favorite of the three fly-on-the-wall moments that you mentioned, uh, Russ. This one, just because not... In the other two, if you're paying attention, you can see him. And in this one, I kind of guessed when she said five minutes what was going on, but he was there the whole time, and you didn't get a chance to see it. You know what I mean? As the viewer, they pulled a fast one on us, so I thought that was kind of cool.
2: And she looked terrible. And I know, oh, yeah. I know it was on purpose, but it's just interesting to see how bad they made her look. I mean, she just, you know, they. It's funny Anna Gunn was on Talking Bad after the episode, and she looked incredible. You know, on the on the show, I mean, she was, you know, just very well dressed and very in made up. And it's just, I I can't even describe it. It's just she didn't look like her face just looked, uh, you know, very very different. And you know, they did the same she trick looked with amazing her where. It she had oversized clothes on and and things like that but it's just a ama- you know as much as as walt went through the kind of this this physical transformation in the last half of the season uh so did skylar i mean she definitely looked like a woman who was nothing but stress 24 7 365 and and just how her life is completely unraveled and a, a disaster
1: she looked like one of the zombies from the walking dead with slightly less bloody makeup all over him yeah exactly it was great, but uh, so they, they kind of catch up, and he tells her that he wanted to give her a proper goodbye. Uh, you know, after his last phone call that we saw in the episode Azimandius, that that was no way to end things. And uh, Skylar, like I said, told him he has five minutes, and she tells him about the about the masked men who came in in the episode Granite State and threatened her and Holly and, and Flynn. And he assures Skylar that you know after tonight. Those men won't be bothering her. Um, he's gonna he's gonna end this whole thing, and uh, he he starts to tell her, you know, I you know I all everything I've done, I did it and I did it for. And she stops him. She goes, if you tell me one more time that you did this for your family, she's gonna lose her mind or whatever. And for the first time, Walt comes clean and tells her, I did it for myself. I did it. I was good at it. I enjoyed it. And for the first time, I truly felt alive.
0: I just got to say, this is my favorite part of this whole episode. I know there's some other cool sto- parts, but this is like the first time in a long time that I think we've seen Walter tell the truth to anybody. You know what I mean? And it yeah. just was like well acted, very not, very understated, very real. And I just thought it was a really awesome and strong scene.
3: There were, there, there were a few people at the party I was at that started to clap at that scene. Because just for that, he was finally being honest.
1: And she kind of takes it, she doesn't really say anything. She, she only says, like, you know, Walt Jr. will be home in a few minutes, kind of like trying to usher him out the door. But you can tell she feels, I don't know if good is the right way to put it, but she's relieved in a little in a little way. Like, some weight is taken off of her shoulders. She's happy to see a little bit of Walter White back, who would actually tell her the truth. Um, but he, he then gives her the lottery ticket with the GPS coordinates for Hank and Steve's bodies. He tells her what it is. He explains exactly what happened that, you know, and in real, honestly, he didn't even push it as far as he could because he didn't even say that he begged for Hank's life, but he just explained, you know, the men who came to bother you, they stole our money from this place, then they killed Hank, they stole, they killed Gomez, they buried their bodies here, and he tells her she can trade it to get a deal for the D, with the DEA, so hopefully getting them off of her back once and for all. And then he asks if he can see Holly for one last time, and uh, she allows him, and we get to see Walt uh, just kind of caressing the cheek of his uh, sleeping daughter. And then he leaves before Flynn gets there, and he watches Flynn enter the apartment, um, as the DEA is also watching the building, but he stays out of sight, and then uh, then he leaves.
4: Camo pants.
1: Oh, the worst pants ever. Yeah, Camo pants. Walt has done many bad things, but if anything he's done in this entire show has led to Walter Jr. wearing those pants, it is the worst thing he has done. Nah. They were awful.
3: You know, I, I kind of got the vibe from those pants, because they did stand out to me too, as to something you would kind of get at a Goodwill. I mean... They yeah. Oh, just absolutely. Didn't... So, I, I kind of got that from from those pants.
1: They looked like Zubas. <laughs> they, were like perp... <laughs> they were like dark purple and white kind of camo slash zebra stripes and... Ugh. Yeah. It's funny when it's not funny,
2: but when Skyler when he hands her the lottery ticket and tells her what it's for, and that look on her face, I really think until that point she thought that maybe there was some slim possibility that he was that Hank was still alive. I think at that moment when he told her that's where the bodies are, that's I think for her when it really sunk in that Hank is dead, he's not coming back, and you know Walt is truly responsible for for his death. And that was that was really heartbreaking for for her, you know, for that reaction on her at that moment.
3: Yeah, but yeah. Marie, but Maria gets uh, Marie gets closure. I mean, this is this is another chapter of sure, the book, sure. of the story being completed. And it was a very nice way to do it, too. It didn't feel forced.
1: So we then pick up with that night uh, and Walt drives to Jack's compound. And he's led in by Kenny. They pat him down. They check to make sure he's not wearing a wire or carrying any weapons. They take his keys and his wallet. And uh, Walt parks the car very particularly. And I rewatched the episode a second time last (laughs) night. Uh, Got some snacks and and rewatched it after talking bad because I wanted to be sure. There's a couple questions I had. And, yeah, they tell him to park in one place and he completely ignores them and parks where he wants to park uh, because he's Heisenberg. And they just kind of take it like, okay, crazy old man, park wherever you want. You're going to be dead soon. So they bring him into the building to talk to Jack. And, uh, you know, Walt's telling him, oh, I've got this new recipe. You know, the same thing as he he told uh, Todd and Lydia before. And Todd uh, Todd basically tells him, you shouldn't have come back, Mr. White. And Jack says, we're not going to do this deal. In fact, guess what? You shouldn't have come back. We're going to kill you. So uh, Kenny, I believe it was, pulls out the gun. And uh, Walt's trying to get back to his keys because he's got that little fob for you know unlocking the trunk of the car and unlocking the car. He wants to get to that, and uh, he's kind of blocked by it. So they they they're taking him. They're going to take him outside so they don't shoot him in uh, Jack's living room because Jack uh, amusingly doesn't doesn't care where they kill him as long as it's not in, in there. And to stall them, Walt yells out, "I kn- you owe me. I know you're working with Jesse. He's your partner, and you, you're cooking meth with him and." You know, you've been lying to me this whole time, etc. And Jack, amazingly, Jack, the neo-Nazi, hates two things. Greed, or at least he says that. And he doesn't like that people, or that Walt would think he's a liar. So he pauses everything to go have Todd get Jesse from the pen and bring him back. And so uh, J- Todd, uh, Jesse's been out in, the, uh, in the, the, the warehouse cooking another batch. They bring him in and while they're waiting, Walt gets closer and closer and finally snatches his keys off of the pool table. And uh, everybody else is just kind of sitting around, including Kenny, who's in a – is that, I guess, like a motorized recliner? That, he's that is
4: – that was perfect. It was uh, – it's a vibrating chair, and it's exactly <laughs> what an idiot would buy if he just came into a lot of money recently. <laughs> and
1: he's just – he's laying down, and he keeps playing with the remote, and he keeps lifting up and then going down and then lifting up and then laying down. And, it, and then it gets stuck, and it's kind of going back and forth. But uh, anyway, they bring Jesse in, and Jesse is shackled. And again, like we saw earlier in the episode, he just looks terrible. He's so swollen that his face looks completely different. He kind of looks like Ryan Gosling, actually—not um, to put down Ryan Gosling, but it just it, they did look similar because uh, he got bigger. He's got bigger cheeks, and he's got the beard and everything, and the down combed hair. But uh, Jack you, goes, "Does this look like a partner?" You put way too much thought into that, Jordan. <laughs> no, it really does look like him. No, I know. I'm just but, messing with you. Especially with Drive and uh, and uh, Need for Speed, which uh, Aaron Paul is gonna be in soon, I was thinking about that one. But so that he comes in, Jack's like, "Does this look like a partner to you?" He's my slave. He does what I want. He cooks the meth for me. And when we're done with him, I'm gonna kill him. But until then, he's not my partner. I'm not a liar, etc., etc. And Walt lunges at Jesse and knocks him down to the ground. And so even Kenny is like in that chair that's moving up and down. He sits up to look at him. And Walt, as he's holding Jesse on the ground, hits the button on the keychain fob. The trunk of the car opens up. A machine gun lifts out of it slightly and starts sw- swinging back and forth on a motor and a car battery and sprays the entire building. It keeps going in arcs left to right, covering the entirety of the room they're in. Blowing everyone away. You see everyone pretty much get hit, except for Todd, who's down on the ground trying to wrestle Walt off of, uh, off of Jesse. And finally, once the bullets have run out, uh, Todd gets up and looks out the window like a little kid on Christmas morning looking for snow. And uh, Jesse gets up and pushes Walt off of him. He gets up and just like he's been in the Rancor pit for the last uh, six months or so, he then pulls a Jabba or a Princess Leia, if you will, <laughs> and he wraps the chain around uh, Todd's neck. He uh, he strangles him to death uh, over a long protracted sequence, actually, while, uh, while Walt's dusting himself off. And uh, finding a gun. And then finally, Todd is dead. So Jesse starts rooting around in his pockets and finds uh, the keys to the cuffs and to the shackles. Starts taking them off. Meanwhile, Walt sees Jack is still somewhat alive. He's bleeding pretty bad. But Jack is propping himself up. Walt takes a gun. And Jack tells him, wait, 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 wait. i still got your money. And I know you want that. So you better leave me alive if you want your money. And Walt doesn't even let him finish the sentence he shoots him right in the head. Blood goes all over the uh, all over the lens. And uh, should I? I guess I should pause now before I go on to the next part because I've just covered a lot of stuff. Um, everything from the robot mount. Apparently, Jesse coming up with the idea of robots way back in uh, four days out was uh, was very apropos. And uh, Walt has followed his his guess and his idea and built a robot to kill everybody.
0: If I if I could, if I could find you know, a good meme maker, I would have the picture of the robot with the gun and write science bitches. Underneath it, <laughs> he,
3: uh, un- uncle, um, the uncle, the uncle, when he grabbed Jack. that cigarette, yeah, Uncle Jack, when he grabbed that that cigarette, <laughs> there he is bleeding to death, but he has to get the cigarette and take a hit off it before he, you know, um, makes tries to make that deal with, with with Walt was pretty funny. Did you guys? I, I
1: was just thrilled Walt didn't take the deal and that Walt just didn't even let him finish his sentence and shot that guy in the head.
3: Yeah. I kind of saw that because
2: I knew at the moment it's like he doesn't care about the money, you know that he, he, you know he plotted it all out in the beginning, and that his family only needed about seven hundred fifty thousand, and they've got nine point something million coming, so he knew they were taken care of. I don't think at that point he really cared about Jesse or figured, you know, if he had money laying around. So he, you know, he just didn't care. But at first, when Jack said, was taken aback by Walt calling Jesse his partner. Did you guys think that maybe he didn't know Jesse was cooking the meth and that that Todd was
1: keeping like keeping him a secret maybe? Oh, absolutely. I think if if Jesse had come out and had not been chained up and clearly beaten, he would have let Jesse get killed too. And it was only the fact that Jesse was a slave and looked so terrible that he took pity on him no, 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 and no. Uh, and knocked him down. No,
2: I meant Jack, like the way Jack was talking at first was like partner. What are you talking about? Like I thought maybe Todd was keeping Jesse a secret from Jack that he was cooking for him, or ha- oh oh oh, or no. has been cooking as long as he as he has been. Um. So at, at first I just kind of read that. I read that way wrong, obviously. Um. But I, I thought I thought that was uh
1: that just kind of struck me at first. Sorry, I misunderstood you. But no, I, I get what you. Yeah, mean. I
0: thought that was just a ploy so we could get Jesse in the room and shield him from what was coming. You know what I mean. I think because, I don't know, I, re- I was kind of hoping that Jesse would get away with the money. I know he got away with his life and his freedom and got out of the je- the Rancor pit or whatever, but uh, it, it would have been cool if he had gotten the money too, I thought.
3: So guys, what do you think Walter's endgame was if Jesse hadn't been there? Was he going to shoot himself with with the gang too? I mean, he didn't know, well, I guess he did know Jesse was there, but did he have any intention of saving Jesse or was he just going to... I mean, what do you think Walter's endgame was?
1: Well, I mean, like I was saying, when I misunderstood Russ, I mean, I think had had Jesse come out and had actually been his partner, Walt would have killed him as well. And it was only seeing that he was actually a slave that had him take the pity and, and leave him alive. I think he was fully willing to kill Jesse and himself in that firefight um, without any hesitation otherwise.
2: Yeah, I, yeah I, he was going to do it regardless. I think if nothing else, if Jesse hadn't come in there and he knew Jesse was there, it would have been the old... I'm going to bend over and tie my shoe. Oh, look, I'm going to push this button, and now you're all dead. Um, and, and I'll go find Jesse and free him, and then they'll have their confrontation. So I think either way, Walt had fully intended to light everybody up. And if he died in the in the attempt, at least he would have taken some, if not all of them, with him. So, uh, I, I, you know, from Walt as a character's perspective, I think it... There are several ways it would have played out that would have satisfied his ends, regardless of the details. Right. I thought the the machine gun thing in the trunk was genius, because if you think about it, it's kind of ludicrous to think that this man... At death's door of cancer, you know, at 50 something years old is going to be able to hold up an M60 machine gun uh, untrained and be able to just, you know, fire away at this thing. So the fact that he rigged it up on this, you know, machine again to kind of show how, you know, smart he is and that he, you know, while not an engineer, but a scientist uh, could figure out a way to make it all work, I thought was was really awesome. And, And again, it kind of fulfills that that Scarface legacy that, you know, has been talked about in the show
1: from day one. So to round out the end of the episode, uh, Jesse has been, you know, unlocking himself from the cuffs while Walt killed Jack, and uh, they look at each other from across the room, Walt slides the gun that he just killed Jack with over to Jesse, and Jesse picks it up and aims it right at Walt, Walt tells him, you want this, and Jesse says he's not going to pull the trigger unless says that Walt wants it, and Walt admits that he does want Jesse to kill him, but Jesse sees that actually Walt has already been shot from the machine gun, um, there's a, there's a hole in his, in his, uh, stomach area. And so Jesse refuses to do it. He drops the gun and says, do it yourself.
4: And this is at least the third time that Walter has told Jesse to quote, do it, right? I think when of he one was choking other. him. I know he was choking them when they were rolling around having a fight once. He told him to do it. And another time I seem to remember him having a gun pointed to his head. And, well, yeah, and that was when he poisoned it. It Brock.
1: Brock. Yeah,
4: right. But before that, they definitely had a fist fight rolling around Jesse's house and he was choking Walter out and Walter told him to do it.
1: Yeah, oh, I forgot about that one. Uh, so at that point, Todd's phone starts ringing and it's uh, a song with Lydia in the title. I forget the exact song. Very annoying, though. And yet another creepy thing and another super reason that Todd needed to die. Um, but so we know it's Lydia from the ringtone. Walt picks up the phone, and we can see Lydia on the other end looks terrible. She's just disheveled, and she's got a humidifier going in the background. And she asks, is it done? And Walt says, it's done. And she goes, is he dead? And he goes, they're all dead. She, she wants to know who this is. And he tells her, it's Walt. And uh, he asks her if you're feeling under the weather. And she says, yeah. And he says, I poisoned you by putting ricin in the stevia. And, uh, you know, you'll be dead in a day or two. And then he throws the phone on the ground. Uh, he walks outside. Jesse and he share one last look and uh, Jesse takes Todd's car and uh, he pulls out of of the parking lot. He pulls right through the gate uh, and drives off to freedom as he kind of gives a shout of relief and joy and just freedom. Uh, It's almost a yell and he's crying at the same time. And uh, we cut back to Walt and we can see that he's bleeding pretty bad now. It's soaking his shirt. There's sirens in the distance and he walks into the compound's meth lab and he looks at the different uh, equipment there. And he walks over to one of the bigger tanks, and he kind of gives it a pat, kind of just thinking about the stuff that he's done with all this meth and the memories that he has from it. And uh, you can see his reflection in the tank. It's all distorted. And uh, you see him fall to the ground, leaving a bloody handprint on the side of the tank. And then we cut to an overhead shot with him lying dead on the ground um, in the same exact pose he was in in the episode Crawl Space, where he gave that crazy Joker laugh. And the camera pulls up the same way it did in that episode. And we see the police in full SWAT gear uh, rushing into the building. Uh, Walter White is already dead as they fan out through the through the meth lab with their guns drawn. And the episode ends. Executive producer, Vince Gilligan.
3: He won. He got everything he wanted.
1: More or less, yeah. So, gentlemen, what did you think of the episode? The series finale... Of Breaking Bad,
4: uh, it, I mean, it was great. It was it was great. It didn't take any dip in quality from you know the the level that the show has set from season one. I, I thought it was pretty pretty damn perfect. Besides some small things that didn't even bother me, just little. Probably the only thing I really missed was seeing uh, Saul one last time. <laughs> Other, you know, I don't know how they could have worked it in. I guess it was pretty clear that it was over with Saul last episode. Um, but I would have liked to see him pop up somewhere, kind of the way they had Skinny Pete and uh, and Badger pop up. But uh, but awesome. I mean, I can't uh, I can't say enough.
1: And Huel is still sitting in that house waiting for Hank to come
4: back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Breathing heavily.
3: That. Um... This show has to be, from an ending standpoint, probably one of my favorite endings. I think the one before this was Six Feet Under. Uh, anyone who followed that series, the uh, the last episode, I thought was, was pretty compelling. But this one, I mean, they just did such a good job. You can just close the book and everything's taken care of. All the loose ends have been tied. It took, you know, in story time, it took two years for all this to take place but you know it's it's closed it's done it's a finished story
2: yeah there's <clears throat> there's nothing else i really want to see i mean you know some shows end and you're like yeah it'd be kind of interesting to check in on these people and see what's going on um one there's not too many people left to really check in on but but two it's it's there's not really much to tell i mean You could argue maybe Jesse, like, what's he going to do? What's he's up, what, what he's up to, but it's, it's not important. I mean, everything had its answer, you know, there's not, I'm sure at the end we'll talk about, um, you know, things probably we felt we felt were left hanging or, you know, any, any aspirations we had that didn't come true. But from a, from a series standpoint, I mean, it ended exactly how it had to end. I mean, from the beginning, in my mind, this show had to end with Walter dying. I mean, if, if, The show ended and Walt wasn't dead or it was ambiguous as to whether he had his cancer or whether it came back or whether he beat it. I I think we as the audience would have been cheated because, you know, the whole thing was set up with the fact that this is finite to begin with. And the fact that that's what we got, I think, is is completely satisfying. Um, It's funny when when. You mentioned, Jordan, the scene of Jesse driving away. Part of me, just just wondering if Vince Gilligan is just a sadistic SOB, because he was, I mean, he he put the hammer down. I mean, he was hauling ass out of there. And part of me was like, is he going to do something crazy like a big old Mack truck comes and sideswipes? Just as he gets away, or you know, it just he has a blowout and the car just rolls, or you know, just I was just wondering if something had happened, but but it it turns out it was perfect. I mean, he just had that maniacal laugh and the fact that he's finally free. I mean, he knows Walt is dead. He knows the skinheads are dead. He's he's free from all of it. I mean, and I think everything he learned while doing this, I think, set him on a path to have. A fulfilling rest of his life. Uh, I, I, in my mind, I think Jesse has money somewhere. Like he's, it's either in his house or he hid it or something. Because he had a ton of money and he spent a ton of money. But I still think he has a ton of money out there somewhere. But, but overall, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can maybe count on one hand how many other shows had endings that were as fulfilling and satisfying as this show. Um, because it, it just seems like much like event comics that we talk about these days, sticking the landing is very tough. Uh, and, and they were definitely able to do it
4: properly. Can I just add to, uh, what Russ was saying made me think of, uh, of something else with Jesse driving off at the end. So crazily, or, you know, uh, when you think about it, Jesse's never he never gets to choose where he's going it's either mike driving him around or hank carting him around at the end when they were working together or walt carting him around there's so many shots of like jesse in the passenger seat like slumped over with his head in his hands like getting carted around by these guys and you know finally this you know jesse's driving himself where he wants to go
1: right what'd you think jim
0: it's rare that uh, a, a show is this good and then sticks to the landing this well. I was very happy with the way it ended. I thought everything was tied up really well. Um, he got the money to the, his family in a smart way. He had that closing moment with Skylar, which is very touching. Uh, he got to go out on top as Heisenberg in his own way. And uh, I don't know. It's, like I said, there's so many great series out there that just don't get the ending right or don't get the finale right. But I just felt this was, was spot on. I couldn't think of it ending any better. And I can't think of anything other than Huell, you know, who I guess is in protective custody still. Uh, I can't think of any real loose ends I need to have
3: tied up at all. You know, and and Walt, he actually, he technically died at his own hand because I guess it was a ricocheted bullet that shot him. Hoisted on his own petard. Yeah, he, yeah. you know, he, he went out by his own hand. Yeah. I, I, was, I
1: was very happy with the finale. I mean, I, I would say it was solid. It was satisfactory. It did exactly what it needed to do. My only real complaint, it's not even a complaint at all, because like I said, I liked it. I really liked it, is Breaking Bad consistently, I was going to say does, but did now in this case because it's past tense, it consistently did things I didn't expect and took things in a direction I couldn't see coming and came up with a better thing than I could have. And in this case, I don't know that it did. Yes, scenes and moments were surprising and oh my gosh, it was a robot gun mount and all kinds of things like that. But plot wise, this is more or less what I was expecting. And usually, Breaking Bad finds a way to give me what I was either something I wasn't expecting at all or to completely surpass what I was expecting in some way. It didn't do that. It was a solid finale, it was satisfactory. It just didn't blow my mind. But I thought it was excellent and, and very good. I just something in the back of my mind wishes it was more, but that doesn't really take away from it. I know I sound negative on it, I'm really not. It's just, you know, even a show. It was safe, exactly. I mean, a show like Lost, which is a show I wouldn't say is a great show. It's a show I love and loved. It was a fantastic show that I enjoyed. It wasn't a great show, but the ending blew me away. This ending and the show were much consi- were consistently great, way better than Lost was, even though, like I said, I absolutely loved Lost. Um, this ending did not blow me away. It did what it was supposed to do and did it well, and a few moments blew me away, But it just didn't surprise me. So if anything, if I had any complaints whatsoever, it's that. Otherwise, it's a a definite A. It's it's one of the best finales I've seen. It just didn't blow me away. That's all.
3: You know, if you think about where the story was before, and this is why I like the ending, there were so many threads going in so many different directions that, in my mind, there's no way it could all come back together and be tied up in a bow that I would believe in. At least that's what I thought. This show proved that you were able to do it. You were able to do it in a way that you believed and you felt satisfied. So, you know, when this season began, they were going in directions. And I just thought, there is no way this show can can end correctly. It's going to be a disaster. It's going to be a train wreck. It has to be a train wreck. But it all came together. That, for me, is extremely satisfying. That's like a crafted, just a craft. The writing is just such a craft of the show, the way the plot moved. Just that's why I love it. That's why I love the ending.
4: I saw somebody on, I believe, Twitter. I think it was a famous person, and that's why it was retweeted a ton of times or whatever. But the statement was something like, the only thing I don't like about the Breaking Bad finale is that I never have to think about this show again. (laughs) Yeah. You know, which when you think about it, kind of makes... A little bit of sense in what we're saying it was wrapped up so neat you know so neatly we don't really have much to think about it's over
0: well it's also a testament how good the show is that it's the kind of show that we talk about think about obsess about that all you know we tried to figure out what was going to happen next where the story would go next you know who would die next uh you know all along and uh, now now that's over i mean we don't have that part of our brain working on it anymore you know what i mean But uh, it's a real testament to the show that it sticks with you long enough that, you know, it's the kind of thing that that you do think about once it's over.
3: And this will be the type of show that uh, people who have never seen it before, when they do finally get to see it, man, they're going to be on, it's going to be such a ride for them. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be like Citizen Kane to find out what, what Rosebud is, you know, like every, like, you know, a lot of people know what it is, but newbies, it'll always be like, oh my gosh. That's amazing. It, I mean, this, this show is going to live for a long
2: time. I think it's kind of going to be like the new Wire. You know, there were a ton of people that were really fanatical about it when it was on. But I think there's just as many people, if not more, that came to it after it ended. Um, and just, you know, whenever people talk about the best show on television ever, it's The Wire or The Shield. Um, and and I think Breaking Bad has a good chance of being in that pantheon now that, that it's over and done. I think there's going to be tons of people that come to it uh, and, and think that same way. Well,
0: personally, I mean, do you, do you think this, the breaking bad is in your top 10 series of all time? If you had to
2: compile a
3: list in mine, yes. Same here.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, you know, it's easy to say right after the fact too. Um, you know, cause that whole newness thing tends to, I think tends to taint my um perceptions on things but yeah i mean if i had to p- compile a list of 10 tv shows it'd be hard for me to find nine of them that were better it'd be real hard
4: the, the thing that does it for the for the show for me when i think in in those kind of terms it didn't have a weak point you know there's no there's no you know even a lost you know the show that jordan mentioned that a show i love you know you could say oh season four it really went off the rails or Season oh, four F- was
1: the best season. What are you talking about? I, just
4: I don't <laughs> remember which season it was. You know what I mean though. Like yeah. or oh the ending of Galactica was this and that. You know, this show has no low point. It's very high to like awesome. That's the range.
3: <laughs> yeah, there there's no like uh going back to Lost and maybe even to Battlestar Galactica, it's like uh it went a season too long. You right, know, exactly. X Files yeah, you can't say that about this show. It it was as long as it needed to be.
4: I would totally watch next season, you know, finding out what happened to Jesse and bringing Saul Goodman into it. You know what I mean? Like it it could definitely continue or I I shouldn't say that. I would want it to.
2: I think part of that too is the cable model. It, you know, the first season had 6 episodes. And then every other ep- season was 13 episodes. And you could argue the last season, yes, it was 16 episodes. But really it was, you know, in my mind, two eight-episode seasons. Uh, so it's tight. I mean, it's 62 episodes to tell a two-year story, you know, th- you know chronologically. Um, you know, there's just something about a nice, tight, uh, you know, story. And I think sometimes that's where I, I, th- I think it's going to help. C- cable shows like this, I think, are going to help usher in, a shift in how, how television is told, period. I think the networks, we've seen them, you know, how many years ago was a TV season 26 episodes? Then it went to 24 episodes. Then it went to 22 episodes. And now it's 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 usually between 20 and 22, leaning more towards the 20-episode side. And I think as television gets more expensive to produce, both from actual costs and talent and everything, I, I think we're going to see the networks start to experiment with um finite limited you know finite series of one or two seasons or you know go that route of well this you know each season's only going to be 10 episodes long or you know the, kind of that HBO model as well um to kind of change things and make things tight and and more compelling where you're not having to fill out a 20 episode season because that's what your run calls for and you're going to have some slow ones in there i mean you know like like we said lost i mean end of season 2 beginning of season 3 was tough to get through for Lost. I mean, Brad or Milo would probably disagree, but it was tough. Um, and Fringe had, had spots like that. I mean, overall, Fringe was a really good series that kind of reinvented itself every season. But still, there were some really tough moments in that show, too. And, you know, I think it, I think that's true for a lot of, you know, typical network television. Um, but, a, a you know, a 13-episode season, you don't have time to mess around. You know, you've kind of got to get to the point and keep things moving.
3: I I really hope that uh, in the future we see dramas, no matter what kind it is, hit that kind of 12, 13 episode mark, those one-hour dramas. They can keep the comedies going at about, you know, 20 episodes because those are light and easy to watch. You know, whenever I binge watch, you know, watching an episode that's like 45 minutes to an hour long, you know, I could commit to about two or three episodes, but then... You know, I'm off for the evening, uh, but you know, you can watch that in in a week's time. Uh, I just hope in the future they kind of they kind of head towards that. I mean, that's kind of how Spanish television is a little bit. They they have these finite stories that have a limited run, and there's only so many episodes. And then when the story is done, it's done, and then they go on to another novella, as they're called. Um, It it would be nice to see the, the U.S start to adopt that too because I really like I really like the 12-13 episode yeah they do
0: that in, uh, in uh, the BBC too they'll do shorter uh, runs of seasons and then you know sometimes 10 episodes or you know they'll have um, you know fewer episodes but longer installments like with the Sherlock um, series but yeah I really and I really you have to have something you have to really say something for a TV show that has an end point you know what I mean you know it's going to be finite you know it's going to have an end you know, and you know that the end is in mind as they are, you know, writers are writing it. And, uh, I mean, Breaking Bad is definitely that. It really, you know, I, I, you know, from the very first episode that it's going, it's going to end, you know, it's going, it's not going to be like the kind of show that like X-Files went on two or three seasons long and you know, with the story thinned out or whatever. Um, I just, I, I really appreciate that about it.
1: Well, the series finale was a huge hit ratings-wise. The final episode got 10.3 million viewers, 6.7 million of them were in the 18-49 to 49 demo, which is the one advertisers are looking for the most. Uh, this was 300% up from last year's finale, and the, by far, by far, the highest ep- rated episode of the series so far, so congratulations to them, that is awesome.
4: Now, just, I'm, I'm out of the Walking Dead loop, but uh, does this make it like the number two watched cable show of all time? Or does Walking Dead have a bunch that beat uh, the...
1: Walking Dead's definitely beat that a number of times and consistently does about that, I think. Um, trying to think what other cable scripted shows have ratings that high. Sons of Anarchy might be kind of close. You no, know, Game of Thrones because remember it's on pay cable, so you've got
3: much lower viewership. Um, it's the most. It was the most downloaded, <laughs> yeah. illegally yeah. downloaded. Yeah. Uh, you know, I seem to remember that. Uh, that and maybe I'm wrong on this, but didn't Downton Abbey do? I know that's that's not cable, but I thought it did like. Compare maybe they were comparing it to cable or something, but that Downton Abbey has really good numbers too. You know that rivaled something like a Breaking Bad. I don't know.
1: It's possible though. In the U.S., at least that airs on PBS, so definitely not cable. And unless it airs on BBC America, I don't think so. Though I'm pretty sure that Channel Four does that, not BBC. Um,
3: well, you know, they, well. they if they wanted to, I mean, you know, if if they if AMC pulled up a truck of money to uh, to Vince Gilligan and go, hey, you know, I know you got the Saul show, but we really want Breaking Bad to go keep moving. You know, they could always follow Walt Junior. You know, <laughs> while Walt Junior could have, I don't know what it could be, but you know, follow Walt Junior.
1: I, I I don't see uh, Vince Gilligan doing that.
3: Well, I mean, if you think about it, uh, Walt's going to have Walt Junior is going to have nine million dollars in a year. Make he it could.
1: a Brewster's Millions remake, kind of?
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Flynn's Millions or something like that. Or, you know, he decides just to ruin his life and just use that nine million for nothing but bad.
1: <laughs> um, I, By the way, I looked up Downton Abbey and it seems the season three finale got 8.2 million viewers on PBS. So, there you go.
2: What do you guys think about some unanswered questions? Is there anything really nagging at you that you wanted to see get answered but didn't, and it it just kind of bugs you? I mean, there's nothing, there's a few things for me, but nothing that just makes me um, think any less of the show, but just stuff that I'd be like, yeah, you know, maybe if we knew a little bit more about that, it might be a little interesting.
1: They never answered what happened with gray matter. Um, For me, though, that kind of works in that both parties think the other party was at fault, so the actual facts don't matter in many ways, because you're just going by their impressions of it. Um, so it doesn't bother me, but otherwise I would have liked to see Kubi again, but I'm also satisfied with where they left him and Huell and, and all those guys.
3: I'm with you, Jordan on the gray matter thing. I would like to know more about that. Just what happened, what went yeah. on, uh, but it's a good mystery to have. I think it's a good mystery not to, to know all the details on.
2: Yeah. I, I don't know why I always kind of assumed it came down to Gretchen and, um, Elliot, like, you know, him having feelings for Gretchen and, and somehow kind of being like this love triangle that got in the way, um, or maybe they were just on the cusp and Walt needed to move on and just, you know, couldn't stick it out because he had a, you know, wife and a kid on the way or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you guys. I, I would have liked to gotten a little bit more, but again, it's not important enough to where um, it, it's this huge looming unanswered question. Um, the one for me that I'm a little disappointed we didn't get more information on, but knowing that Better Call Saul is a prequel or a pre, uh, uh I guess a prequel series, um, and that it possibly maybe Mike will come back, possibly Giancarlo Esposito might show up, um, is what was up with, uh, with Gustavo Fring in Chile? Like, why was he so feared? Why couldn't he be touched? What you know? What was his background prior to? Uh, going to Mexico and then ultimately coming to New Mexico.
1: Yeah, it could be interesting. Uh, again, it's one of those things that doesn't really bother me that I don't know, but I would be interested to know more if I was ever offered it. You know.
4: I'm good. I mean, I don't. I don't really have any. Uh... Yeah,
0: I'm with John. I'm. I'm pretty satisfied with the way it ended. I can't think of any loose ends.
2: Yeah, those are the, the only two that, you know, even kind of rattle in my brain a little bit. Like the whole bit about, whoa, what happened to Jesse? What about Brock? What about, you know, what about Walt Jr.? What about, you know, Scott? like none of that to me, like I don't need answers to any of those questions. Like none of that, you know, matters. Um, you know, we got the ending to the story that, that I expected to get and I'm I'm good.
1: Well, gentlemen, do we have anything else to say about Breaking Bad before wrapping it up for good?
4: No, but I think I am getting the Barlow Blu-ray. Oh man, <laughs> I can't. I have to have a los. Uh, I almost said los podcast hermanos. Los podcast. Yes. yes, I have to have the apron. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I think there's a patch in there that I could put on a jacket. Or <laughs> there's a challenge. <laughs> sounds, coin. sounds like it's worth two hundred dollars to me. There's all yeah. kinds of goodies. Yeah, it's funny that that
2: uh, preview came on. And I told my wife, I was like, that is a cool set. And she was looking at it, and they show the thing open up, and the discs are in there, and she's like, oh, yeah, we got to get you that. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And then she asked how much it was, and then I told her, and then she's like,
0: oh, okay. (laughs) Wow, you married the right lady.
4: Yeah, so if anybody wants to buy seasons one through five, (laughs) I have (laughs) them available separately.
1: (laughs) Very, very nice. Well, since we don't have a preview for next week's episode, this will be it for Los Podcasts Armanos. You never know, we might jump back on at some point and talk about uh, our favorite memories from the series or something like that. But at least for now, this is the end of Los Podcasts Armanos. You can still send us a voicemail, an email, any of that kind of stuff if you want to get in touch with us for any of our shows. Uh, We love to hear from you, no matter what. Check out hhwlod.com for all of our shows. Uh, the long Box of Doom, Half Hour Waste, to Jersey Shore, The Black Box, Out Now with Aaron and Abe, uh, Real Heroes, many, many more. If you liked our coverage, of Breaking Bad. Check out our coverage of Walking Dead at walkingdeadtv.com. And if you liked our shows in general, we've got a whole bunch of stuff out there. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, And you can check it all out at hhwlod.com. You can check out our Facebook groups for those shows. You can follow us on Twitter at HHWLOD underscore network to see when we have brand new episodes available. And we have new episodes available almost every single day. And uh, since this is the last episode, I have been saying we are not in danger. We are the danger. But it seems, ladies and gentlemen of the audience, we were not in danger. We were the danger. Have a good rest of your lives, everybody.
4: We liked it. We were good at it. We, we felt did alive. it for
0: us. <laughs> we did it all for us. Come
3: on, guys. Meth on me. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Three, two, one. Meth.